Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips. Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. Today we're going to discuss something that is going to get a lot of attention in the coming months, coming years, some, something that will impact all of us in one way or another, and it's Shane's favorite topic, taxes. So I, I don't necessarily would say they're my favorite to- topic, but they are interesting. I, I'll definitely say that. So you pay taxes because you made money, whether it's income or investment gains or gains in other areas. So you have a bigger bucket of money, and then you have to pay some of that in taxes. With that said, again, I agree, nobody likes to pay taxes, and thus why so many professionals in the world try to minimize, or in some cases that we have seen in the headlines recently, completely eliminate taxes for some people altogether. Yeah, I'm not sure that anyone really likes taxes, or definitely not their favorite topic, but it has broad-ranging implications for all of us from personally to corporations and the overall economy. President Biden and his administration is proposing significant changes to tax laws, almost a complete change in the direction from the prior Trump administration. So we thought we would spend some time going over some of the differences, the rationales behind the approaches, and the implications for the overall economy and investable assets. Let's start with what Biden is proposing. And again, these are just proposals, but really there's four main areas that are targeted. First, he's proposing increasing the corporate tax rate to 28% from the current 21%. Second, he would increase the tax rate on high-income earners, particularly those earning more than $400,000 a year. Third, he would shift the capital gains tax from a max rate of 23.8% to your current income rates, which could be as high as 43.4%. And then lastly, he's looking at taking away the step-up in basis on inherited assets. When looking at the proposal, the message is pretty clear. The Biden administration wants to increase tax revenue, and certainly it shifts more of the burden to wealthier individuals and family. Now let's compare it to what the Trump administration passed in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017. Back then, they lowered the corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%, a pretty significant change, modest marginal tax reductions across all income levels, modest changes to cop- capital gains, and they increased the lifetime exemption on the states to $11.18 billion. Now, this is a small subset of comparisons, and there are many nuances throughout the tax bill that are much broader than the small subset we just described. But we get an idea of what things look like for just these four different bullet points. So these are big differences. Which approach is right? I think we can all agree that it depends on the perspective you are viewing this from. But we're all also dealing with very different economic conditions and an administration that now places a higher priority on certain initiatives. When the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed in 2017, the economy was relatively strong, but not too strong. Inflation had been low or below trend for some time. And while unemployment rate was low, the labor market simply wasn't tight enough to see sustained wage pressures. So the intent of the approach through the what we refer to as TCJA was to try and supercharge economic growth by unleashing corporate and household spending with the expectation that we can make up for it in years later. Fast forward to where we are today, and there are various factors contributing to why tax policy should be different. The government has provided a significant amount of stimulus in response to the pandemic, and we're going to pay for that somehow and at some point. The government should continue to spend as we try to boost the economy out of the challenges that we faced during the pandemic. And also, let's just be... Call out the obvious, 
Democrats are historically more in favor of higher taxes and also in more favor of higher government spending. So we have some comparisons of the different approaches, but how do the current proposed tax rates compare to the historical standards? Yeah, and I like comparing it to the historical standards because you get an idea of where we're at compared to that and not just where we're at and where we might be going. So let's start with corporate taxes. If we go back to 1958, the highest corporate tax rate was 52.8% from 1966 through 69. That's quite a bit higher than both the current 21% and the proposed 28%. But we live in a globally competitive world now, which was a little bit different than the 1960s. So how does this relate to corporate tax rates elsewhere? These can vary, but the majority fall between 20 to 25%. Prior to the Trump tax cuts, the U.S. was one of the more heavily burdened on the corporate tax side, but moved to the lower end when the rate was cut to 21%. That being said, it was announced recently through the G7, which is a group of advanced nations, has agreed upon a 15% minimum corporate tax rate in an effort to get companies to pay more in taxes. What about income taxes? Currently, the highest rate is 37%, which is currently proposed to go to 43.8% in the Medicare surtax event. The highest marginal tax rate in history came in 1944 and 45 at 94%, which is pretty significant if you think about it. Interesting to note, though, is that the highest marginal tax rate jumped from 25% to 63% a couple years after the start of the Great Depression. This kind of gives you an idea. After the economy or the country faces significant economic challenges, there's a little bit of a historical precedent to raise the highest marginal tax rate on higher income earners. The lowest top tax rate came in 1913 to 1915, and that was at 7%. There are other factors considered here, such as the levels at which different rates are applied, also deductions. So making apples to apples comparisons at different times is somewhat difficult. But from an income tax perspective, it's clear that income tax rates are likely to go up for higher income earners. So let's move on to capital gains. The changes are pretty significant shifting the tax rate from a max of 23.8% currently for long-term capital gains to your current income tax rate, which would be substantial, especially for high-income earners. And this shift could raise this rate, again, from 23.8 to as high as 43.8%. If we look historically, that would be the highest in history that we found data for. The highest prior was from 1976 to 78, when the rate was 39.87%. And changing the step up in basis at death is the final proposal. Currently, under most circumstances, when assets are passed at death, they will receive a step up in basis. Meaning, if I buy an index fund today for $100, and I die, hopefully, longer than this, but in 60 years, and the value is $100,000, when this asset is passed to my heirs, they receive a step up in basis and receive the asset as if they bought it on the day of my death with a value and cost basis of $100,000. With the change, my heirs would still inherit the $100,000, but my estate would have to pay tax on the gain, which in this case is $99,900, which would be quite the large tax. This would obviously create tax revenue where there was none before. So what does all this mean from an economic standpoint? All else being equal, higher taxes typically lead to lower economic growth. But if the government spends those dollars in the right places, that could eventually lead to higher economic growth. The Biden administration has already or is trying to pass significant stimulus programs. 
In addition to all the stimulus passed during the pandemic, there's already passed a $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, which was passed in March. There's also a $2 trillion infrastructure package and $1.8 trillion families first package that are currently in the process. And all of that is after the government spent around $6.5 trillion in 2020 to help the economy. And of course, tax revenue went down during the pandemic as well. So just for context, as Joe said, in 2020, the government spent about $6.5 trillion, which was a 47% increase from the $4.4 trillion spent in 2019. Tax receipts, on the other hand, declined by about $43 billion, which was actually not too terrible. Nonetheless, government outflows increased by more than the inflows, which the government takes care of by taking on additional government debt. But as one can imagine, we can't do that forever. The U.S. can't continue to borrow infinitely, and at some point we need to pay back the debt. While some may argue that we've already done this, and there is some merit to that, the government has continued to borrow more than it has brought in for years. The last time the U.S. ran a budget surplus was actually in 2001. Nonetheless, we need to make adjustments to keep our financial house in order, and given the massive amounts of spending that we've done, increases taxes is one way to do that. So to recap today's episode, taxes are likely to be a topic of discussion in the years to come, and the changes that President Biden is proposing is vastly different from that of the prior Trump administration. While some of that is due to differences in views, part of the reason for the difference is a result of the pandemic, and also some priorities the Biden administration would like to pursue, such as fighting climate change and income inequalities. While taxes are likely to go up, they will still be far from the highs from a historical perspective on most areas. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Reliable Finance. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at podcasts at probwealth.com or follow us on Twitter at Finance Podcast. Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision. It does not constitute a recommendation. Investment involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary.